everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick, and today's guest is Lauren Gerritsden, who's a body connection coach who helps women heal their relationship with food and body image. She's the author of The Invisible Corset, Break Free from Beauty Culture and Embrace Your Radiant Self, and her holistic health website, EmpoweredSustenance.com, has supported over 40 million readers. Hi, Lauren. Hey, Nikki. It's so good to be here with you. So good to be here with you as well. Thank you for joining us. I, like I mentioned um, right before we started recording, I have been like, you know, like you said you've been following us for a little while. Well, I definitely have been a big fan of yours for years. And I honestly, I think it's even before I started my website and I was like starting my journey into eating clean. And at the time it was like more raw foods for me, but I, I think I somehow came across your platform and I just really appreciated the way that you shared information. And so it feels so full circle to have you on my show now and for us to um, chat about what you've been up to over the last few years. I, I know you have a great background from Bastyr University. And so Mm -hmm. I'm curious to learn more about like what got you into this whole scene. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. I started my health blog about 10 years ago now. So that's what you first started following or came across. Uh, And my healing journey started when I was basically 14. I was diagnosed with a life-threatening autoimmune disease uh, particularly ulcerative colitis, which is not a fun thing to have. Yeah. And so all throughout high school, I was just in and out of hospitals. I was taking medication after medication and then more meds for the side effects. And it just wasn't working. I was just getting sicker. So when I was 18, my doctor said that I would likely have to have a surgery to remove part of my colon. They also said that this wouldn't really solve the problem because the disease would continue to progress to unaffected tissues. And so they'd have to keep doing surgeries on me. And I, that was this wake up moment for me. You know, until then I, like so many people now, didn't question the reality that allopathic medicine prescribed for me. I thought it was reality. I didn't realize it was a fabricated projection that was based on a very long history of suppressing the natural, safe, effective alternatives that are always available. Mm-hmm. So it was at that point where my doctors had always told me, you know, nutrition won't help. The best thing you can do is eat lots of fatty, sugary foods, basically, when you're not in a flare. So you gain weight and you won't become too emaciated when you are in a flare. Uh, great advice there. <laughs> oh so, my gosh. Yeah, I had this moment where I picked up a book. It outlined a dietary protocol uh, called the Specific Carbohydrate Diet. And I was 18. I had dropped out of school because I was too ill to attend classes. And I was holding this book. And it was the first time in my adult life I clearly heard my intuition. It was that still, silent voice inside me, like the faintest whisper. And it said... I have to try this. And that was such a pivotal moment for me because I chose to trust that voice of my body over Mm -hmm. all the external voices of the medical industry who had told me nutrition won't help. 
And within three days, my acute symptoms are gone. Like I was from bedridden to being able to move around within three months, I was off all my meds. Uh, And so it was a, a big awakening for me. That's when I started my health blog. I trained as a nutritional therapy practitioner. I went to Bastyr, like you mentioned, and I studied health psychology there. I became really interested in the intersection of energy medicine, mindset, uh, subconscious programming, all these things that are really much deeper than food and supplements when we look at one's healing journey. Uh, So that really put me on my path. I love that. I think it's, I love that you mentioned that you decided to trust yourself and your body rather than what the medical narrative is. And I, I love when books can be a catalyst for that. I think, you know, I can definitely look back on like specific, a specific book in particular that um, started that journey for me as well. And it's so beautiful because you know, you never know what, who you can touch with just like some of your writing, whether it's through a blog or a book, but now you have authored several books. And I think that that's amazing that you can like give that back. And also I just want kind of want to touch base on what you mentioned in there. I, I think health, um, what was it like health psychology or nutritional psychology? Is that what you said? Yeah, kind of the spirituality aspect yeah. and the subconscious aspect to healing. Yeah, and and like on your website, like you have an article. Um, I was like looking through really quickly. It's like three signs your food problems are actually spiritual problems, and I totally just really connect with that because I think so much of it is just our thoughts, and obviously, I think putting in really good high quality food and like being really, I mean, I'm very particular about it, but not in a way where it's debilitating it. It makes me happy to choose food. And that's like really high quality, but not in like a food is just fuel mindset. I don't need it. Like I enjoy food and I, I like to choose food that makes me, you know, nourishes me, but bring, I also, appreciate that food can bring people together. And there's this whole like cultural aspect of it. But I also think like when we are so stuck on certain things or emotionally, this, you know, that can totally get in the way of even like absorption of nutrients and and so many things. So I'd love to touch base on that and like what you've been finding. And just, I don't know if that's kind of like part of what you discuss in Invisible Corset or what, like what inspired you to write Invisible Corset? Yeah, absolutely. So I come from a background of eating disorders and body dysmorphia and body hate, you know, that generational cycle of female body hate. That was a big piece in the Invisible Corset. And now my work helping people heal their relationship with food so they can eat intuitively, which is how you're describing you eat, where it is so full of pleasure and freedom. You know, a Mm -hmm. healthy relationship with food is one that makes you feel more free. So for some people, that looks like you got to get off the sad diet, stop eating McDonald's and fluoridated water and, you know, calcifying your pineal gland and taking in really low vibrational foods, because that is not making you freer in your mind or your heart or your soul. Right. And then we get to the point where if you're coming like from a disordered eating background or a obsession with control 
exercise anxiety, body weight control, and using food as a unhealthy coping mechanism there, your relationship with food is making your life feel a lot, lot smaller. So Mm -hmm. that's where I specialize now. And in order to unlock those issues, that's where I really get into the spiritual and subconscious aspects with my clientele. But yeah, where the invisible course that comes in is as I was working as a nutritional therapist, realizing food and supplements only get people so far. Yes, it can, it can radically turn around chronic illness and work literal miracles there. But then we get to a place where food can feel like it's making our life smaller or a lot of people get stuck and scared in reintroducing foods. So like in my work there, I started to realize that the invisible corset was the set of beliefs that make women as trapped and uncomfortable in our bodies as traditional whalebone corsets once did, right? It's like the dieting mindset. It's the body control mindset. It's the sense of inadequacy uh, due to our looks or body comparison. And because we can't see this belief system, it's that much harder to take off than a physical corset. And this is where we need to do radical uh, rewiring of our subconscious and our perceptions so that we can actually look at our bodies through our own eyes and not through the perceptions that have been indoctrinated into us for generations with the purpose of exploiting us, you know, turning us into machines that just consume beauty products and spend our lives dieting. So we use up our psychic and creative energies there instead of dispersing those energies in really beautiful ways in the world. Uh, So I have a lot of passion there because I did struggle with anorexia at a very young age, at 11, and um, really faced chronic body insecurities and got to a point in my own life where I was like, huh, I think I would rather have body trust and freedom in my life rather than spending my life trying to conform to these beauty standards and needing to control my body. Hi everyone, let's take a moment to discuss your mattress. Finding a comfortable, non-toxic and chemical-free mattress became a main priority for me once I found out what traditional mattresses are made from. Not only are they not sustainable for the environment, but they're also detrimental to our health when we consider the amount of time we spend laying on our mattress, which is about a third of our lifetime. I'm so happy to announce that this podcast is supported by Avocado Green Mattress, offering mattresses that are handmade in California with certified non-toxic and organic materials. Avocado Green Mattress is climate neutral certified and a member of 1% for the planet, where 1% of all sales, not profits, but sales, which is a lot, go to environmental nonprofits. So visit avocadogreenmattress.com and use code THEFULLEST for $150 off a mattress for the fullest podcast listeners. I really, really love my mattress so much, and I can't wait to hear what you guys think about yours. How did you, like, because I think a lot of times, and I think, I don't know if you mentioned this, but when you come from that background, because I come from a very similar background where I was bulimic and then 
when I found myself in this um, space, I took in so much information and I would apply everything. And, but really, I mean, I had to like kind of step back because I ended up getting sick again because I was taking it so far to the point where it, and it wasn't because it made me, or I thought it made me feel good, but I think I just like, I was trying things that weren't good for the specific condition that I had previously had. Right. So like when I would try intermittent fasting and I was like, it's so good. I have to do it. But it's like, for me, it wasn't right because then I would obsess over only being able to eat like within a four hour period of time. And that would lead to binging, which is like connected to the bulimia. And so I'm curious as you bring, I'm curious what you recommend in those situations with these really intense diets. And I'm, and I know, um, I know they have so much benefit for so many people as well. So I don't want to like, I don't want to like bash on them obviously, but I also think that, you know, it's important as someone who works with people, I'm sure you've come across, um, different things that work differently for people because of their background. Absolutely. Yeah. The big key here again is, is asking your body's wisdom and your intuition is this making me feel more free? Am I getting closer to love with this eating root, basically? Um, Because like you said, food is a very powerful medicine, but it's so easy to fall into that mindset of control where we are just basically repeating like an old relationship with allopathic medicine where we outsource all of our authority to just follow a rule book. And we find virtue, it's so easy, especially for those of us who are, you know, perfectionists or workaholics to default to seeing uh, virtue in perfectly following rules or doing food even better or um, even more perfect. And that's where we get into the danger zone. So, it really helps to refocus on this concept that I work with my clients a lot. If you are not telling the truth in your life, your body will tell it for you or your eating habits will tell it for you. So if you're like, if I have a client who is um, struggling with chronic fatigue, it's usually because they're not saying no to something major, a relationship, a career path, a religious belief system, um, something that is making them feel very, uh, just draining their energy. And so their body is actually doing them a favor with this chronic fatigue. It's saying no for them. Uh, and same with the food rules. If we are feeling super controlled in our lives, like perhaps by a relationship or, if we don't recognize the control patterns in our world from uh, government, from school systems, from societal values, if we don't recognize that those are based largely on the intention to control and exploit us, we will subconsciously seek to control something else in our life. And the appropriate reflex there is not to control more, but to see where we're being controlled Um, and to move towards freedom in a very conscious and courageous way. Does that make sense? I feel like I veered off the question a little bit. It totally makes sense. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to, yeah, 
It makes total sense. I believe that. I'm all about practicing trusting your intuition. And it's, I really connect with what you were saying because I've had to exercise really trusting my own intuition, especially after becoming a mom. And so I really advocate for that. And I think that that's changed my relationship with a lot of things as well. I used to be, right, I used to be bulimic. I used to be very controlling. I used to be very type A. And it changed before I became a mom, but then like now I just can't be. And so I'm just not, but I think that part of it is the trusting my intuition and not really putting so much pressure on myself of what society expects from us. And one of the things that I really um, loved hearing you use the word outsourcing. And it's funny because I was listening to a podcast with Zach Bush and he was saying, and he was talking about just the situation that we're in, in general, in terms of like the state of the world. And he was saying, we chose this because we chose to outsource our lives. We chose to outsource other people growing and making our food. We chose to outsource, you know, all sorts of things so that we could sit at home and be comfortable. And like, that's not necessarily what we were meant to be doing is like sitting. I mean, I don't want to shame anyone for sitting at home and watching a show on Netflix, obviously. Like that is part of what is like enjoyable, right. To do with your family and part of life and part of modern culture. But for the most part, like that's not really what we're meant to be doing. And so when we like sit back and wonder why <laughs> then we feel like shit and why they're spraying the, they're like spraying a bunch of chemicals in the air because they think that that's going to help with climate change, which is like the opposite of what it's going to do. Um, why they're spraying our food, why we're getting sick. It's because exactly the word you mentioned, it's because we outsourced everything and we stopped taking back, you know, our, I don't want to say control because it gets, it goes back to kind of like that mindset of we can control everything, but just our own well being, Right. And so I, I'd love that you use that word. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting when we look at the state of the world right now, which is this epic spiritual battle for the free will of humanity, you know, and some of us are seeing what's happening and a lot of other people don't realize that their free will is being usurped right now as it has been in so many ways. Um, kind of like long-term cultural grooming, just the way that a sex predator would groom like a young child. This grooming has been going on to make us trust authority, uh, to make us believe that we are not the experts on our life, to make us believe that we can, we need somebody else to have our best interest at heart, uh, to make us believe that it is selfish to listen to our intuition and common sense instead of people in white lab coats, which is like the craziest concept because the only person who can have our best interest at heart is our heart, our own heart. This is where we get to the concept of a greater good. It's not listening to somebody who says, I have the data, you need to listen to my um, interpretation of it and its ultimate truth. A greater good is when every individual can reconnect with the voice of wisdom and that divine connection within our own bodies. You know, it's so interesting when I was writing the invisible corset, I 
I started writing it four years ago when I had the idea, well, you know, this is a really important book. It will help women and the generational cycle of body hate, um, put a lot more money back into our pockets because we don't need to feel like we're spending it on um, beauty in ways that don't fulfill our soul. It's going to give us more time and more happiness. And I thought that would be the freedom. But what's so interesting is that this book goes into these psychological abusive tactics that the beauty and the diet industry uses to co-opt our ability to choose, our free will, essentially, um, so that we act in the best interest of these industries at the cost of our slow self-destruction and the destruction of our own souls. And now we see this playing out with the pharmaceutical industry to the nth degree, where the pharmaceutical industry now and the three-letter government agencies are using the same psychologically abusive techniques, the same techniques that like a narcissist would use in a personal relationship to divorce their victims, meaning basically everyone on earth right now, from their intuition so that we feel so helpless and so fearful that we, our only option is to turn outwards and say, help me, help me. You know, that is the reflex of somebody who is divorced from their own divine connection is they turn to humans, other humans who are conceived as experts in some way, and they say, help me, help me, save me. Um, I can't trust myself with myself. I can't trust my life with my own discernment. And so this is definitely what we're seeing on a mass level right now. Yeah, we are. And I, and I love how much you talk about the pharmaceutical industrial complex. And I think that that is... I, that basically what you're saying is that it started as like helping women get back and trust themselves and their intuition, but you're also opening them up to what society has done to them over the years. Right. Or, Mm -hmm. and then do you think that like, have you gotten a lot of feedback from people about, well, when did the book come out? It came out late January. Oh, okay. actually perfect timing because it's so important right now. And I think as you know, sometimes it could just feel so overwhelming. I'm sure doing this work during this time when it's so hard to break through when, if you just turn on the television so easily and so quickly, you could just go like fall backwards into just exactly that thing, which is not trusting yourself and just giving that up to the experts who apparently know exactly what's going on when no one knows. Well, in the beginning, no one knew. Now we feel like we know. I feel like I know, but I also like to hold on to the fact that like, I don't, I don't think I know everything. I just feel like I know what's best for me and what for my body. I just cannot believe how many people are giving up their agency and just going down to CVS and just getting like, you know, a shot because they were told to, because also I think it's really interesting because you, I think what can be overwhelming and then also, um, I don't know the word, but just like disappointing, I guess is, I think I've spoken to so many people who are on the verge of understanding or totally get it, but because they just want their life to be easier, 
they're just getting it because they just want to travel. And like, I get that. But at the same time, what frustrates me is that like, if more and more people spoke out about it and didn't feel uncomfortable sharing at the dinner table, what they've learned from your book or any platform or whatever, then we wouldn't be in the position that we are today. But because we also have, and I'm sure you talk about this in your book, I'm curious what you think about this, but we have this like notion of needing to be polite and not hurting other people's feelings because of the decisions that they've made. I think that that's also really interesting, a really interesting dynamic because like, for example, I don't want to hurt my family's feelings about their decision to take this experiment. But at the same time, I'm pregnant. And so I chose not to be around them and it offended them. But at the same time, I've learned of a lot of spontaneous miscarriages or things associated with it, and I'm not willing to be part of the experiment. And so in that scenario, what's going on in the world right now is really interesting because it can, it's essentially breaking families apart in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's a, hard choice for so many people to make. And I mean, I, I could go all different directions because you brought up so many important points. But when it comes down to making intuitive life choices, we come to a fork in the road, which is what is more important to you? Is it how your life feels to you? Or is it how your life is perceived by other people? That is the fork. And so when people lack courage, Okay, when they lack the willingness to heal and when they would prefer to have fear and they would prefer to have hate, because those are very powerful choices that we make every single day. And sometimes they're conscious and sometimes they're unconscious. But if we look at our lives from a level of radical self responsibility, we realize that every day we face that choice. Are we going to choose the courage to create a life? that feels really comfortable to our souls and allows our, our best health? Or are we going to choose to be, mm, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say this in a, a polite way, but like be weaklings and beta mm-hmm. males and beta females in order to have a life that mm, other people judge as proper, you know? And it's so interesting. I'm, I'm, so many like quote feminists or women uh, leaders in society right now are encouraging this social pressure messaging to get the shot. And if we look at the lineage of feminism, you know, our ancestors who got the vote for us, for example, or who got equal rights in different aspects of society, they were the ones who were uh, ostracized, who were being called unladylike or rude or not honoring the greater good of society. So it's, it's like the urge towards freedom is always the unpopular one and the one that will garner social judgment and shame and ostracization in some way uh, because it, it takes so much courage to seek out the truth in the world, you know, the, if, if you're not actively praying for and seeking out the truth, then you are actively rejecting and denying 
the truth, whether that is the truth of this global situation with the lockdowns and the experimental shots, or whether it's the truth in your relationship or whatever it may be. And because it takes so much courage and fortitude of soul to ask and pray for the truth, because it's going to make your life uncomfortable to some degree and shake your ego, then you're actively rejecting and denying the truth. And I just, I, I'm seeing this dynamic in such a large level in the world right now. Yeah, I, that was beautifully put. And I think, I, I love that my son's name is Truth. So I'm like, I love the truth. <laughs> I love wow, that gave me chills. That's super powerful, Nikki. Um, I love seeking the truth. And I, and, you know, definitely when he was born, it just intensified all that for me, definitely. But, but some people, I guess, just don't have that because we've bombarded them for so long that I would say that they don't even know that that's something that they could do. And so it's so important for people such as yourself to be there to help people along the way to remind them that they have that ability, they have the authority, they can take their life back and, and it's not, you know, it's not that hard, but we just have to give ourselves permission to do that. And we have to give ourselves permission to, uh, like you said, just be okay with us, like making decisions that are for our own well-being rather than what other people are going to think of us. That's how we change the system, right? We are having the opportunity to see all these broken, insidiously corrupt systems in the world, whether it is the educational system, which has been brainwashing children for generations now to give up their intuition and questioning abilities to the allopathic medicine system, to the pharmaceutical industrial complex system. And the way we change those systems is not with hate and violence and indignation and rage and entitlement, which is what I'm seeing as the reflex from a lot of the kind of woke culture. Um, But the way we change that system is with exactly what you and I are talking about, which is this gentle, courageous return to our higher self and our higher guidance and making unbothered but fully confident choices from that intuition. Because like uh, Einstein is attributed to saying, you can't change a problem with the same consciousness that created the problem in the first place. So we can't change these broken systems with a a sense of victimization and anger. We have to change it from a sense of love and faith and divine guidance. Uh, And that's, I'm just, you know, I'm excited to see that in the world. Hi everyone. I want to take a second to share about my dear friend, Carson Myers brand, Sea and the Moon. Carson has been a guest on our show. So if you happen to listen to that episode, you would know she launched Sea and the Moon with its debut product, the Malibu Made Body Scrub. This scrub uses brown sugar to gently exfoliate and delivers lasting hydration through a variety of organic botanical oils like almond, jojoba, coconut, and castor seed oil, and it's scented with a food-grade vanilla. The Malibu Made Body Scrub was born out of a necessity to nourish dry and sensitive skin without the use of harmful chemicals that are often found in everyday personal care products. 
As a doula, Carson saw firsthand how much information the skin takes in from the environment around it, including the many studies that have shown direct test results of over hundreds of chemicals that were found in umbilical cord blood and passed down from mother to child, not to mention the detrimental impacts man-made chemicals that are found in conventional skincare products have on our environment as a whole. The Malibu Made Body Scrub is made with organic, non-toxic ingredients and packaged in a waste-free glass jar that can be upcycled for continuous use. Sea in the Moon proudly donates a portion of its proceeds to the Natural Resources Defense Council, which is an organization that brings together scientists and lawyers to defend the health of Mother Earth. The Malibu Made Body Scrub has been called a miracle product by those who suffer from chronic dry skin and deemed the best scrub ever by Kim Kardashian. So for 20% off your See in the Moon order, use code FULLEST20 at checkout. I literally immediately when you said that, even though you took it back to love and I, I love that so much more, but it reminded me of like... You can't change a virus. Like if the virus is made in a lab, like let's not make a vaccine in a lab and then try and tell people that that's all they need to solve their problems. That's such a good analogy. It's wild. But I I really um, admire everything that you're doing. And, you know, I, I love that you also have like your own line of flower essences, right? Oh, yes. I I would love to talk about flower essences because they are such a joy of my soul. Yeah. I think that it ties into the intuition aspect of what you're talking about. So it makes sense. And and it's energy medicine, right? It totally is. I am a believer in better living through energy, not better living through chemistry. Uh, And like you said, it ties into the intuition piece because as I was getting reconnected with my own intuition, I was able to step into my abilities as an intuitive. And that's one of the reasons I can help my clients on a spiritual level now. Uh, And also being a plant intuitive, which was, it kind of tripped me out when it first started happening to me. I was hearing like songs and getting imagery from plants, particularly flowers. And then I learned that in all ancient cultures, the shamans and the tribal healers made their plant medicines because they listened to the plant songs. They literally said they would listen to the flower songs. So isn't that beautiful? I love that. I had no idea. I love when you can, you know, you go back to ancient cultures and they all happen to have some sort of a way, well, it makes sense, obviously, because that was their medicine. It wasn't like they had a pharmaceutical industry. So I love that. I actually, um, I've heard of like sound baths and I had this at my, one of my, my first baby shower, someone came and did like a sound healing and she hooked up to the plant. And then we were able to hear their vibration. So it makes total sense to me. <laughs> That's beautiful. So I was first introduced to flower essences when I was just starting to heal myself with nutrition. And I was really opening up my mindset to the concept that healing is available to us in other ways besides allopathic medicine. And I had an energy healer tell me to get a certain flower essence, one from the Bach line, which is very popular. People can find that at Whole Foods. 
And as soon as I picked up that bottle, it was like being reconnected with a soulmate. I swear that I had some connection with herbal medicine or flower essences in a past life because I've had that experience with people and I had it with this flower essence. Uh, and it was, you know, it just provided such beautiful, easy shifts in my life around emotional patterns that I had struggled with for decades were shifting in weeks, if not days. It was phenomenal. Like these things are so subtle and so powerful. Uh, and I started making them myself and then using them with my clients for the same reasons. And my clients were seeing the same results. Like, oh my gosh, I've been going to therapy for this, you know, emotional issue uh, of anxious thoughts, uh, of control patterns, of lack of focus, procrastination, whatever mental or emotional challenge they were facing. And within weeks, a flower essence would start shifting that. And it wasn't heavy lifting. It was like the way flower essences work, because it is energy medicine, it shifts trapped emotional energy patterns in the body. So it makes more space for people to integrate new beliefs. Uh, it just creates the sense of space instead of reaching for old, automatic, unhealthy coping mechanisms or coping thoughts. There's a sense of spaciousness to choose something different and to have new energy patterns come into your body. Uh, I call it acupuncture in a bottle for that reason. It really is similar to how an acupuncture needle shifts those emotional energy patterns in the body. So I was just gonna say that that's when you were describing it, it reminded me of acupuncture. So that makes sense. Exactly. And if people respond well to acupuncture or tapping or Reiki, Reiki, uh, all these other energy modalities, they're going to respond really well to flower essences. They do work for everybody, but I see the most impactful and fast results with people who are very sensitive. You know, there's downsides to being very sensitive. You can take on other people's energies. You can feel bogged down or stressed more easily. But the upside is that energy medicine is so gentle. It's completely chemical free and it's going to work really, really well for you. So if people are interested in doing flower essence therapy in any way, they can go to floralsong.com and there's a quick quiz to choose the best flower essence for you there. Uh, and another way to do it is you can go into your local health food store and they'll have a line of like Bach essences or flower essence society uh, essences. And you can just practice feeling out with your intuition, which one are you drawn to? Like, or even if you go to the Floral Song website and you scroll through the products, which name jumps out at you? Uh, or if you're looking at, you know, essences that are lined up on the shelf of a store, which picture or label stands out to you? That is how flower essences work. They, they really can communicate with you and they tend to choose their patient. So I see this all the time. If somebody feels really curious or intrigued about flower essences, even if they're thinking, well, that's not scientific, or that sounds too good to be true. Like really listen to how drawn you feel to them, because that's a good indication they're going to work on you. What is the difference? I mean, between homeopathy and flower essences, other than, I mean, I guess 
they use homeopathy uses flowers as well, right? Yeah, it's very, very, very similar. The active ingredient in both of these healing modalities is energy instead of like a chemical compound that is extracted from the plants. And flower essences, they're made by soaking freshly picked flowers in spring water under sunlight. And the sunlight transfers the energy, basically the energetic imprint of that flower or blend of flowers into the water. And the water has a very strong energetic memory. So if people know the work of Dr. Emoto, who looked at how intention can change the crystalline structure of water, in this case, uh, the energetic imprint of those flowers is changing the, it's the water is able to hold that. Okay. And then the, the flower material is discarded. And what you have left is that energetically charged water for the flower essences. For homeopathy, it is just basically diluting formula of water and this the plant component, diluting it over and over and over and shaking it repeatedly, which kind of increases the energetic charge. So when you have the product at the end, again, the active ingredient is energy. There's not really a discernible quantity of the plant material. And then um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm just assuming you do because you're into all these. What is gemotherapy or gemma therapy? That I'm not familiar with, but I'm assuming it has something to do with you think using the energetic properties of, of gems or crystals. Oh, okay. That, am I right? I don't know. I just like I've seen it in a lot of um, natural like kids or um, I have it in like one of my books for like natural therapies. And I always was wondering just the difference between that because I don't, I don't know what it uses, but I thought it also still used. Um, yeah. It uses roots and plant tissues and barks and stuff. It's like herbal supplements. Oh, okay. But then it, I, I did not guess the name right. No, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not either, but I'm always asking people because I think when I read about it, I'm like, it sounds similar. So I feel like I need a human to explain it to me and not like searching it or a book because it's still not like transferring and I don't understand it. But going back to like flower essences and homeopathy and acupuncture, like these are things that I've personally found really have helped me and and homeopathy in general has such an incredible, I mean, long streak of people who have used it for so many different things. I mean, I use it all the time for my children for if they have a fever or if they, I literally have one. I don't know if I, why I say they, but my husband, I use it on him too. So I'm, I'm looping him in, but like it works. It works for fevers. It works for cold and flu. It works for these things. So it just makes sense for flower essences to be just as effective as well with, mm -hmm. I would say like, that's more emotional, right? Like totally. when you have it's, it's more emotional and then mental because our, our chronic thought patterns can actually arise from stuck emotions in the body. Yeah. So that makes sense. It's like you go to, like, I prefer homeopathy instead of like taking an Advil or a fever suppressant or whatever. Right. And then I would go to flower essences, like for example, in college, 
I, my husband and I have been together since high school, but we broke up in college for like a month and I literally did not know what to do with myself. And it was that same Bach remedy. It was like rescue remedy Mm -hmm. that I used and it totally shifted my perspective on everything and gave me back my sense of self to the point where I was like able to just really have an incredible time, like getting to know myself a little more. Um, before, you know, we ended up obviously getting back together, but it was like this, like reframing of like who I am. And it was so beautiful that this like flower essence that I took, I mean, I also had like alcohol, you know, they have alcohol in them. So who knows? I was like feeling <laughs> that too, thinking so yeah. much of it, but it really was so beautiful how much it helped me. And so now that I look back on it, it, it really was a mental and emotional experience that that's why I needed them. Yeah, that's a great way. That's such a great story to describe how they work because it gives you a different perspective. Like it helps yeah. you see things from a more detached spiritual level to let go of the cultural programming that those, the cultural programming is always around I'm not enough. I'm broken. I can't trust my body. I don't know who I am. I don't know what my purpose is like. And the flower essences can help you transcend that and get back in touch with your your truer self. What's interesting is the pharmaceutical industry is the one that is responsible for doing the largest smear campaign against homeopathy, herbalism, energy medicine, indigenous medicine. And this was all very purposeful. And it's one of the reasons why so many people have this absolute condescending, arrogant perspective towards these powerful healing modalities. Because in the 19, early 1900s, 1912, I believe the Flexner Report, which was Rockefeller funded, and it was an attempt to eradicate natural healing from American medical schools and replace it only with an allopathic pharmaceutical model of medicine. Because before that, US doctors were having amazing success with homeopathy and nutrition and herbs. In fact, the majority of successful treatments in the United States were based on those natural healing processes. And so the Flexner Report came out under the guise of making American medicine more cohesive and scientific. And of course it all sounded good, but it was done with the intention of replacing natural medicine with a pharmacological model, which would create repeat customers and increase oil profits, right? This is where Rockefeller comes in because he owned the vast majority of oil refineries at the time. And it had just been discovered that pharmaceuticals could be oil derived. So there's been a smear campaign ever since then to thoroughly uh, like quote debunk and call pseudoscience these um, processes of healing that were so effective. And what it is, is complete projection, absolute complete projection that is done with the most confidence and the most money uh, because they are the ones who are uh, peddling the pseudoscience snake oil toxic chemicals and they have a very very smart long-term marketing campaign 
to convince the public that the natural and safe healing modalities are the, quote, pseudoscience. I love that you said that because it's true. They're the ones that are selling the snake oil. They're the ones that are selling you something that's not going to actually get to the root cause and it's going to screw you up. And that's why later on in life, then we'll continue to have health problems. But exactly what you said, these healing modalities, this energetic medicine is so gentle and so natural that it can't hurt you. And I feel like that's such an important thing to remember because like, you could take these, you know, you can go to a doctor and get a pill and then go take another one, or you could then take the vaccine and then you don't know how that works with the pill and all those things. But the other things that are found in nature that are working to just support your body healing itself, those can't hurt you. And they all, because they're found in nature, like work together in harmony for the most part, obviously there's, you know, poison and whatever, but like for the most part, what you're going to find is, is something that's just going to support you with as like little to no side effects. And it's so crazy. Like I was actually, um, my family is really into, um, boating. And so we were just on a trip for father's day and our captain, all of a sudden we got to our destination and he said, I think I, I have a sharp pain and I think I have appendicitis. And I was like, Oh my God, we need to like get out of here. (laughs) Let's go. Like whatever you need to do, trust your intuition. Like at first I started the conversation by like, trust your intuition. And he kept saying, I'm just going to see what happens. I'm like, okay, well, appendicitis isn't a wait and see situation, like whatever. So we had this back and forth conversation and I kept trying to like tell him, we don't care. We're here to support you. We care about your health. Like just trust your intuition. We won't judge you. We won't be upset. Like we don't care. And so that was the really big thing for me was to empower someone else to not feel bad, especially in his position to like really make a decision that was gonna be, you know, eventually in, in our modern day society, it's like a life or death situation. And it could lead to that if you don't listen to your body. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I also on the side went online and I travel with like a whole host of like homeopathics. And so I went online and like, I saw that homeopathic medicine is actually really great for appendicitis. uh, And I had no idea because we're just taught to fear any sort of inflammation around there is like you need surgery and antibiotics immediately or else you're going to die. And so I was surprised, even I was surprised to see that it could be pretty effective. And, and it obviously depends on when you catch it. But for him, like it was, uh, you know, several day long trip and it just started as a sharp pain. So obviously you can start doing things preventatively at that time. And, um, so Anyways, I I happen to have like three different homeopathics that were supposed to be effective for this. So I gave it to him and he even said like it really helped him a lot, but then like he still wanted to go to the hospital. And I thought it was interesting because once he went to the urgent care, um, he had said they didn't know what was wrong with him. So it literally took them over 24 hours to figure it out, did MRIs, did all these things to even see what is going on. And like within, I was thinking within this whole time period, 
if it were me, I would be taking homeopathics during that whole time and like try and go in to see an acupuncturist during that time. And if I'm just sitting at the hospital waiting for them to tell me what to do, like it just doesn't feel good. And then at the end, anyways, at the end, they, cause they kept telling him, we don't know what it is. And then finally, literally like 30 hours later, they're like, okay, let's go do surgery. But it's like, to me, and you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm not him. I'm not, I wasn't in his body. So I, I don't know that feeling, but it reminded me of just how all of a sudden we get back into this fear mode. And when it comes down to like, you know, it comes down to really making a decision. It's so much more difficult to trust in nature's ability and your body's ability to heal itself rather than like we said, someone in a white coat, just being like, okay, whatever, let's just go do surgery. Right. Right. Cause we, we've been conditioned out of that for so long. I know it was so sad to me, but I mean, I also was like, I don't want to be responsible for someone else. Like it's their decision and whatever. I, I don't know what could happen. I think that's really what it comes down to is our mindset is let's just do as much as we possibly can because like liability, I mean, the wait and see approach and taking things slow can be a liability. And so a lot of people don't even want to, even like a lot of naturopaths won't even like totally suggest things like that. And they'll just tell you, okay, whatever, like just go get an antibiotic. You know, it could just even be that because, um, because I think at the end of the day, when the person that maybe you're treating is so unsure of themselves and like, you can't like, no matter what you say or do it, it takes a long time to help someone build confidence in themselves. Right. And that's like what your book is there for. It's Absolutely. really, there. and what your course is there for. I, I know you have a course around the book, like to rewire our brains so that when it comes down to those emergency situations, obviously, unless you were like in an you're bleeding to death, like those sorts of things, great. Allopathic medicine is great for that. Otherwise though, you know, these chronic illnesses, like that's, they're not going to heal that. And so it's yeah. true. And there's so much we can do to prevent that by yeah. getting your life in alignment with your soul by telling the truth so your body doesn't have to and being aware of the psychological mind games that the industries are playing to disconnect you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Telling the truth so your body doesn't have to. That's such good advice. <laughs> With that, I just want to end the episode and just say thank you so much for joining us. And, and I love being able to converse with you. And I, I love staying up to date on what you're up to. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Nikki. I feel the same about you. Thank you for doing your amazing work in the world and just being a shining light. <laughs>